There's a place some of us go each fall, a place where the ring of a bell filters through the covers, and hurried shouts of bird up bring everybody to attention, a place where the playful puppies around our house are transformed here to driven bird finders, and where there is confidence in the slow pace of the silver-muzzled old veterans where our friends tell the same old stories each year, and none of us seem to mind. Where great shots are forgotten, and epic misses never fade. Where an old gun will have a story to tell, if only it could speak to us. Where all the good seats are claimed by the dogs. If you have a camp, you know these things all too well. And if you don't, well, you're always welcome here. So pull up a chair, tell us about your favorite gunner dog, and we'll admire the birds together and talk the night away by the fire. Welcome to Bird Camp. Just before we start the episode, I wanted to uh, say thank you to the Patreon uh, people who support the podcast with a few bucks here and there, and uh, it's something I don't take uh, lightly. I'm not using the money for whatever expenses I have here around the house. Um, I had said that I would use it towards something important or something of some kind of value. And the first withdrawal will be coming this weekend. Um, I was made aware of a memorial hunt for a fellow handler and bird hunter here in Michigan, Craig Jones. Uh, He's passed away before, but uh, in this case, the memorial hunt uh, is in his honor, Part of the proceeds will go towards his widow and children, and uh, I thought it would be a good thing to do. I'm going to take my son, I'm going to let him shoot his new 20 gauge and have his dog run in front of him. So a few chuckers and a pheasant will be out, and uh, we will honor a NAVDA handler who made it to the pinnacle of his sport here in West Michigan. And we'll do so just through the giving of our funds for a few birds and to enjoy something that Craig also enjoyed and we'll make that the first contribution from the Bird Camp podcast and again uh, thank you to the guys on Patreon that do give me that cup of coffee's worth of money here and there and uh, it is accumulated up and that is where it will go first and then of course I'll keep looking for ways to spend it and uh, promote the uplands and on to the episode Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Bird Camp Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Schwenke, and I have a guest, Andy Sims, with us today. Andy Sims is both a bird hunter here in Michigan as well as uh, the man behind the Southeast Michigan Bird Dog Rescue. Welcome, Andy. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing well. I'm celebrating my Friday night. Uh, much like you and I, we both work for a living, but uh, it supplies the, the money for the offs off time right oh yes it does the, the fun off time i'd be able to go up and hunt <laughs> right we were we were discussing the price of dog food Oof. today we're up to 75 bucks a bag wow what are you feeding that with for them uh, the purple pro plan yep 50 pounds at a time and uh every time we debate switching we're like well but the dogs are doing so good on it yeah, but can they do more on less? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that's one thing we've debated is can we do more with less dogs, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. It's Yeah, I'm not sure about doing it on less dogs. <laughs> I even almost entertained a fifth dog idea there. Like in the next couple of years, we might need another pointing dog. And she looked at me like, you know, I question your sanity. Well, definitely keep us in mind. We get all sorts of rescues in now, so yeah, cool. She she did mention if I was going to get a short hair, she would like a senior version, something past the Velociraptor stage. So like two or three. I, she wants like seven or eight, but uh, two or three would be about right for me. Yeah, it's like the perfect age to get them into bird hunting. Yeah, so yeah. they're past the ADHD stage and they can get going. <laughs> I, it'd also be the part where they stop damaging my furniture stage. 
<laughs> I've I've given up on that. <laughs> we just think of it now as battle scars. We don't even worry. Oh yeah. If it gets too bad, it goes on the fireplace or on the campfire. <laughs> it's like a Michigan State party. It's, yeah, yeah. Except that we're all winners. <laughs> well, oh, oh well. Again, welcome to Bird Camp. And Thank the... you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, we're off to the races with a good start. Um, well, where do you hail from, Andy? And uh, without being very specific, uh, what is it you hunt? Um, I'm in southeast Michigan, and I hunt grouse, pheasant, woodcock. We go out west, and we hunt pheasant hunt out there for quail, done huns, uh, sharp tail, and prairie chicken. So we've been to Kansas, North Dakota. Um, I hunt the northeast lower, and we have a camp up in the northeast lower that we go to quite regularly. Good, good. How many guys do you have in your camp? Or how's that? Um, it, it ranges. Actually, our original camp we had about ten. Um, we change locations and it fluctuates. We get guests through all the time, mm-hmm. but the core group is really three to four. So we're not a huge camp, but, you know, it fluctuates. We're kind of weekend warring it up there. Right. And, uh, you know, like you said, we all got jobs and we, we have to keep going at them. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. October seems to be my only excuse. You know, uh, it's October. I can kind of flake out a bit more. My boss, the bow hunter says, you know, I understand. <laughs> but, but come December, you're back here, right? Oh, I'm. I'm a 100 dedicated employee at that point. Oh, yeah, I hear that one. And the nice thing in my job is I can escape the weekends and take mm-hmm. a couple extra long weekends here or there. Yep. So. Yep. I always plan for a few of those, especially getting up there to the northern lower. And uh, we drift between a couple of different campsites and, and stuff like that. And even a few new plans this year, I plan on going up to the northeast and seeing what what looks like on some of the old, my dad's old stomping grounds, really. But, uh... And, you know, forestry in that section has done really, really good job. Where state had done a phenomenal job, and federal kind of slacked. Federal is actually making up and making grounds in the Northeast. Excellent. That's news I hadn't heard before. Um, not to be specific, but they've they've done some really good management. (laughs) They've done some really excellent management, and they got a good plan, I think, going right now. Good. So good. My my only creative editing on this podcast so far has been it got a little specific, and so I went back with the editing software and made it very very nondescript. Oh yeah, I do not blame you. The uh, <laughs> like to protect their spots. That's one thing grouse hunters and grouse camps are usually. We're kind of over here. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yep. May not be totally over there, but we're over there. Yep. Yep. And then, too, this, this last season, I don't know how it was for you guys, but we found enough birds where I don't think you actually needed to help a guy that much by giving him an exact spot. Uh, we found a lot of birds in places where we thought they'd be, and then we're surprised by even more. So, really, a motivated individual didn't really need a lot of help. Oh, no, they didn't. I, I really think they were in the upper end of the cycle right now, if you believe in the cycle. Um, what we had seen was insane numbers last year, where we were at. Mm-hmm. We were having yeah, about three to four flushes an hour. Yeah. So it, it was really nice, and that's just grouse. I mean, the woodcock were a little spotty where we were at. Yeah, they were for us, too. So it was a, a little different, but I, I think they kind of cycle off from where the grouse do. Mm-hmm. I also thought too some of my known covers are getting just a little old. You know, they're they're getting more grousey, but the woodcock seem to have left them a little. Yep. So. I've noticed that in some of mine too and that's where <clears throat> this year we kind of left our traditional covers mm-hmm. and we went out and seek new spots to go hunt. And yeah. we did really well doing that and we found some really great spots. Yeah. Yeah, we had so. a lot of new exploration to do. Yep, and actually that's uh when we did the did a couple hunts with some people, we took them to some of the new spots 
and we did pretty good. Mm-hmm. So we, we got them pretty good looks at some birds and, you know, nobody really fired any shots, but we came pretty close. <laughs> so yeah. we're, we were more doing the guiding and letting them do the shooting and some younger hunters and first time grouse hunters, you know, sometimes they're like, that's what a grouse is. <laughs> <laughs> And I've noticed oh. you need a you need a number of flushes in range, and in good visual before they even really get their gun up. You know, the first one they just kind of stop and kind of get all statuesque in a way. And what was that? Mm-hmm. Well, that that was a grouse. Okay. Well, the next time they they get their hand up and they point at it, that's a grouse. Yes, this it is. By about the yep. fourth or fifth flush, the gun will probably start to go off. That is very true with them. Like, in the big one is getting them confident in what they're actually looking for. We so yeah, yeah, we do. We drill so hard into safety and know your target, and then you're like that bl- that brown blur. Yeah, shoot those. <laughs> <laughs> Go a little ahead of it and hope hope that you get it. Yep. <laughs> I had had two southern guys up here that had not seen a grouse really before, and uh, or a woodcock for that matter. And the first thing they commented about when we were asking them, okay, what what do you think it's like? And they're like, well, this is not at all what we expected. Like, these birds are fast. We're tired. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Welcome to Michigan. Oh, yeah. And and that's funny, though, because the quail guys down south, Mm -hmm. they'll run for miles. But a lot of them guys... They know their spots. They'll, they'll see the cubbies as they scout. You know, you can do a little more scouting, for say, with that than grouse. Mm-hmm. Grouse are a little harder to scout. But they'll get their dogs, and they'll go hit those cubbies. And you just keep chasing the cubby over the next hill, over the next hill. Yep. And the cubbies that we've seen down there have been 30 to 40 birds mm. on the quail side. And then every so often as you're chasing the cubbies, you come across a couple pheasant or prairie chicken or it's a pretty neat experience out west. Yeah, I keep telling myself, I'm going to get out there, I'm going to go, and then then you start looking out up north again, and I'm like, oh, boy. I hate to give up October. I keep coming back to that. I don't know how many podcasts now. I'm sure I'm getting repetitive, but uh, I hate to give up an October weekend or an October week to go chase something else. But I, I gonna... tell you what, it's an experience to go do. Yep, I I went to Iowa once and and got some roosters in the bag and had a great time with some good guys and like all right I I need to do this again and then life's gotten in the way. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I do I do want to see the wild quail. The one thing the quail guys said though is we thought the walking would be easier. Like, I mean it, it's state land, but there's no pathways here. <laughs> that is very true. Yep. I, I did feel bad. I shot two grouse right in front of them. But it, it's a grouse. You're adults. We all have guns. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to let it get away just because I'm going to see about getting you a better shot. That that doesn't work that way. But uh, I maybe should have been a more gracious host. <laughs> well, the grouse do what the grouse do. They'll hold up to a certain point. Yeah, the, the grouse aren't going to be gracious. Oh no, they will. It only takes so much before they're just done with the situation and they're gone. Yep. So, and lucky enough to get two right in front of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was that was hard walking. That was a hot couple of days they were up too. So they felt at home. They just it was warm. But uh, how do you hunt then? Is it? I know you have a lot of multiple dogs there. How many do you run at a time? Um, usually we run two, and the reason is uh, we used to have what we called the A-team, and we had Z and Ice. They were litter mites together, my buddy Glenn that I hunt with quite a bit. Mm-hmm. He had Z and we had Ice, and they're awesome pair. Um, unfortunately, we lost Z last year, and uh, so we kind of started relying more on my pack of dogs. I have five short hairs and a Labrador. Labrador is a... It was a bird camp night that went wrong. But anyway, long story short, he's an awesome dog to you. <laughs> but uh, usually we hunt pairs, you know, and we do pretty good that way. I always find when you get the right combo of dogs, you get a long ranger and you get one that's a little more in. It seems to be the right combination. You get one dog that actually drives birds back to you. And they'll usually put them between us. Mm-hmm. It, 
and we've done that for years and it's worked awesome for us. Um, a lot of times though, we, it's all pointing dogs. So besides the lab, the lab we use a lot more in pheasant country and he does really good. They, re, they retrieved a hand. Um, Drake actually this year, we were hunting a new spot that in the Northeast lower and Glenn's way up this ridge and it's, it's old railroad grade, so it's probably 100 yards up this ridge, and it's straight down almost. Hmm. And uh, Drake goes on point on the side of the hill, and I could see him almost perfect. You know, I told Glenn, I was like, hey, you got a point. He goes, go ahead and take it. I go, no, he's below you about five feet. So Glenn backs up and finally sees Drake on point, and a whole family group came up off the side of that hill. I'd never seen anything like it. And uh, Glenn ended up dropping one, dropped it straight into the lower, there was a little valley down in there where the the aspen had blown over and the snow had sat him down. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought Drake coming off the side of that was going to, he was going to hurt himself. He was so steep. You know, it was a pretty steep hill. <laughs> he went down in the center, picked up that bird, brought it right back to me. And there's a proud papa moment right there. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> and he's kind of become the, the A team since we lost Z. We run him in ice quite a bit. And then we have Squeak, who is Drake's litter mate. And I just recently picked up another short hair named Ben. Um, if you know your short hair lines, Ben's grandfather is actually Dixieland's Rusty. Okay. So he, he, his mom's a direct daughter. So, and the other grandson, is, or grand, his other, his dad is actually Crossman's Chip. I'm sorry. So he, pretty well-bred dog, and yeah. he went up to – I sent him to Monkey Shine's kennel for two months for some training over with Dan DeMambro. Mm-hmm. And he's catching on real quick and being a really nice short hair. Oh, good. So yeah. but we uh, so we did add one to the, uh, the team this year. Um, Glenn ended up uh, – with the loss of his, we ended up finding him a short hair that was two years old. So – she came in as a rescue and was house broke and very nice, nice mannered dog. So he has started training her on, I think he's training her with Chucker over on his side of the state. He's over in kind of the southwest side. Yep, over by me so, a little bit more then. Yep, yep. Down without describing it totally, Michigan City area. Oh, okay. Much further so right, south then. Yeah, he, he's like right at the border almost. <laughs> He's in brewery country over there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Well, good. But, yeah, we're real excited to get her rolling, and she's about the same age as Ben, so I think they're going to start getting teamed up. So, yep. see how they do together. Yep. Now, I've seen some things before where you're involved um, with some RGS. You do some volunteering, and it's it's kind of a neat special event. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, actually, Lori Stork, through her Wildcard Adventures, does a women's hunt every year with RGS. Okay. And for, I think this is, this year would be the third year we did it. We guide quite a bit for them. Mm-hmm. So we get women that haven't grouse hunted or have in the past, but want a little more experience to get out in the outdoors. Mm-hmm. We actually go and guide them on the grouse hunt. It's It's been fun. This year, we had a little bit smaller group. Um we got out with the dogs. We pointed some birds. They had a great time. Um, you, nice little that you're able to mentor them, show them through the woods, get the dogs on point, show them how to work the dog and how the dog actually works you in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and just show them what it's like to get out and grouse hunt. And hopefully they are able to pull the trigger a time or two. Yeah. But it, it, it's been an awesome event. Um, had a really good out or turnout with it. And it's, it's a fun one to go on and the women are great and Brian and Lori do a really excellent job with it. Well, good to hear. And one of these days I'll probably try to, to help out where I can on that as well. Just, mm-hmm. to, there's always an opportunity, you know, if you start asking questions out of any of these habitat groups or, or bird groups, the second you say you're willing to help, they've, they'll find you a job. That's, that's kind of been my experience over here by Grand Rapids at least. Um, if you raise your hand up a little too high, you're going to end up in a committee or on a list with a, for guiding or something, but, uh, it's always fun. I haven't had a, a bad experience really yet with any of these things. No, and they, they definitely do great work. I mean, uh, 
in the women in the outdoors brings new people in, which mm-hmm. I am 100% fine with. Yep. I mean, and we need that because our numbers are dwindling as yep. hunters. Yep. I, I think it's a two-pronged attack. We need, we need new people. Um, and then we also need a place for them to go. And so the, the continued push for both uh, really, I think, will bring us into some sort of success, at least hopefully a preservation of what we do. Oh, yeah. it's uh, And it's shown in some of the, the work that's done with the RGS. They've, they've done some great habitat work over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're involved with a project currently over um, your direction, southeast uh, woodcock restoration and uh, things are going good i've seen a few pictures of the the skid steer with the mulching head on it and uh, if ever i get a chance to get behind the controls of one of those i want to i want to do some playing i'll be a volunteer i just want to run the machine well that could be dangerous because that is fun i have sunk many attractors into the middle of the field just for fun <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll even get out all the Carhartts and the big boots, and I'll do it in the winter when everything's frozen. But uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, just it just sounds like a good time, you know. Making you're making habitat, right? You're gonna feel productive, and at the same time, you get to work on this machine that chews up eight inch trees. I, it's a win for everybody. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. We uh, recently just bought a new home that has we got ten acres of land and the horse mm-hmm. barn, and we have our three horses there. Um, the back half of it is wooded, but is more swampy wood. And uh, I've been trying to plot how I'm going to attack that and do a little woodcock habitat back there. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it, we have a small stream that flows on the uh, east side of the property. So it, it stays fairly wet, which would be great for woodcock habitat back there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we'll probably see you out on state land with a shovel during the spring, just cherry picking those little elder stumps up and, and getting those transplanted. Then. <laughs> probably so. We're actually not far from a pretty good sized habitat project. Actually, the DNR just bought a sizable chunk of land down the street from me. And we also have a marsh that's on the other side of us that was recreated from airport. Oh, yeah. where the airport actually reclamated some property. Okay. Was that... Oh, what was the name of that big, nah, maybe, maybe we won't get into the name of that big new place that's open to hunting, but, uh, I, uh, is that the one? Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, it's sizable and there's lakes there too, which is nice. They're, they're going to have a nice setup there. Yeah. I've, I got to see some of the, the satellite pictures and the aerial photos and, and some of the synopsis from MUCC. Um, and it does look like a sweet place just to add into, a to a sporting opportunity there for the Southeast. Yeah. And we only, we have very limited in the Southeast and mm-hmm. what, what we had down here originally pheasant wise was really good, but it's more managed for up or waterfowl hunting. So a lot of that came to an end when they went back and redid some of the waterfowl areas there and flooded them. So we used to have some pretty good pheasant hunting down here. And we actually had a, about four or five cubbies of quail down here at one point. So that we used to find and probably leftover training birds that continue to repopulate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was fine with that. Right. <laughs> so in a couple of them were Tennessee red cubbies, but <laughs> they, they roast as good as the rest. Yes, they do. <clears throat> but that, they, that property though, that we're talking about there, it, it's going to be fabulous. Good. So good. I actually have a, a friend that dove a couple of lakes down in there recently do you find any besides the cars and the guns and anything else right no <laughs> yeah well it, the one was old quarry so supposedly there's a crane down there Ooh, you have to so, G- gps that one for ice fishing yeah that would be a really good one for ice fishing yeah so you've um <laughs> i can't stand ice fishing and it's not that i don't like to fish but uh it, it reminds me of staring down a hole, but you're deer hunting at the same time. It's, I just don't have the patience for it, but, uh, <clears throat> I agree there. <laughs> well, I, I sit back and wait for the flags. 
<laughs> you know, if I had a grill, I could sit out there and wait an awful long time. That's true. Very much true. Yeah. But uh, so you do the things here with uh, with the strikes and the women's hunt. Um, anything else you're involved in? Um, the rescue we've had really good success with. I started it about six years ago. Um, we started mainly because we saw a lot of short hairs in shelters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> that's what we mainly started for was German short hair pointers, but it's, it's become all inclusive because you can see any type of bird dog is they're, they're all special. Mm-hmm. Everybody jokes that, you know, setters, short hairs, you know, everybody's specific to their breed, but everybody likes a bird dog. So everybody just has their own paint job. They like on them. Just like tires. Um, it's been, we've been really successful in it. We scaled back when we moved just because the move was quite a bit and, you know, getting the new house set up. Um, we've had everything in setters, vishlas, um, pointers, German short hair pointers, Labradors. And we do a lot of work in getting those dogs to people to where they're going to be successful. Mm-hmm. So everyone that leaves is spayed and up to date on shots, neutered, you know, fixed. Yep. Um, the one big thing we do do is uh, any LEO um, first responder or retired military, I don't charge adoption fees. I just want to make sure the dog is going to the right home with the best people that can. And if it fits those people right, it's it's fine with me. Mm-hmm. I will. I, I like to see that. And, you know, follow up is a is a good one with us. Um, we'll check in, but we also let the people have their distance as they get good with the dog. Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> a couple of years ago, actually, funny story is I had, had a litter of puppies and I sold the puppies and one of them went to a gentleman in Monroe County and I sold them under breeding contract that if something happened, but I get the first call, it rifle thing for a breeder to do Yep. in, uh, I'm at a work off site and I get a call, you know, from a lady who goes, Hey, I got a short hair and needs at home. Can you come take it? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'll be there Friday. You know, when I get out of here and I'll swing by and grab him on the way home. So I was in Toledo and figured I'd swing up through Deerfield and grab this dog. Well, I call her on Friday on my way in. She's like, well, he shoots through the leash. We had him tied to you. I'm like, well, this is going to be great. He's running around Deerfield, Michigan. If you've never been to Deerfield, it's all apple orchards and like vineyards. Oh man, they can really get out and stretch out there. Oh yeah, and it's just cornrows of them, miles of cornrows of this stuff. And so I did a lot of driving around, knocking on doors, passing out business cards, you know, talking to people. And a couple of days later, I got a call, and guy had the dog. He's, he goes, he's out back. My son's playing ball with him. He's jumping in the lake, you know. Like, all right, I'll be down there in a little bit. So he held the held him till I got down there and went and picked him up and brought him home and i was like this dog looks familiar well long story short it was my dog (laughs) (laughs) and i tell you what he's it was drake and drake's turned out to be one of the best short hairs i ever had and i I hate to be like the say that because he i he's my puppy but he really is he's a good little dog he he's a 38 pounds of short hair menace you know he can He's quick and he's he's honest on his birds anymore. Mm-hmm. So he retrieves back to hand. He's a nice little dude. Okay, so so what's the? And I I had Travis Powers on earlier, and he talked a little bit about being a guy who hunts with rescues. But uh, what are kind of the perceptions when people hear that you have a bird dog rescue? And we haven't said the name yet, but it's Southeast Michigan Bird Dog Rescue. Um, what is what are maybe it's a misconception or maybe it's just what they think you do um what do people kind of start out with in their mind as far as what what are these dogs like um kind of depends on the dog they're on their all their own unique situation Mm -hmm. um i've had everything actually one of the dogs i have here is uh cooper cooper is actually a retired Brewster Ranch dog. Hmm. All he was was a guide dog his entire life. And the perception is some people think that, well, it's a rescue. It's three years old. It isn't going to hunt. Well, Drake never hunted up to the point that I got him 
and he was about two and a half. And now all he wants to do is go hunt. So uh, the perception of people thinking that a rescue dog, being that it's older in life and that it isn't going to hunt, well, you may not end up with a field trial dog, but I tell you what, you're going to end up with good meat dog and mm-hmm. a great family member. So, and they are what you put into them. If you put a ton of time into a dog and build that relationship with it and get the training done that you need to, you will end up with a nice bird dog. It's just a matter of how much time and investment you want to put into it. Okay. So, so like, but, like it runs the gamut then you're saying, right? This dog could be, you know, I have in my notes, some of them are papered, some of them are, you're not really sure. They may not even be all short hair or all setter. Is that kind of true then? Or they come with any variety maybe of issues as well. Yeah, and that's one thing. I Behavioral issues and they they do have some quirkiness to them per se, but behavioral issues I will not adopt out an aggressive dog Mm -hmm. that to me is safety's number one on it but we've also worked with dogs to the point of fixing quirkiness and you know it it may be just a housebreaking issue we work with the new owners on that um and usually most of the time with bird dogs they're pretty intelligent they're going to catch on to a new home real quick and they yeah as, as long as the new owners are willing to work with them it's been fine we haven't had I think in the entire time I've been doing this, we're probably up to about 200 dogs we had through the rescue. And we've only had like three or four come back. And it was more due to family and home life situations mm-hmm. with the new owners. So we were able to rehome those dogs. Good. But we had the most recent one was a 11th month old Vishla that came out of a well-known kennel in Iowa. And she was fully papered. <laughs> that that dog's still a blank slate. Yeah. So, I mean, and really, I look at my dog training and some people a little different. The first year and a half of the dog, you should let it be a dog. Teach it house manners, teach it basics. You know, if it wants to play ball, kind of put the routine into it and keep the, the structure. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, let them be a dog. So a lot of these guys at field trial will, from day one, do, you know, get them into the field trial routine. But you can do the same thing by mm-hmm. letting it be a dog and be a puppy. Because mm-hmm. I, I think success actually comes once maturity hits into the dog. So when it doesn't have the squirrel moment, even though all of our short hairs do. <laughs> <laughs> so, or, do. Or, or better yet, porcupine. Oh. Uh, I'm up to three in eight years. Oh, yeah. I I had a dog at Porcupine in North Dakota. Oh. <laughs> the middle of the prairie, he got Porcupine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Ice got, Ice got stuck last year, and I think Z got, no? Z almost got stuck. We, he actually points him. He wasn't going in on him. He had three awesome points on Porcupines two years ago. <laughs> we've i've had three quills 20 quills this last one was about 35 quills oh. like at this rate the next one's going to be 50 or 60 and man that's going to be in the of course middle of nowhere again yeah and that's on uh, ah, those are no fun i uh i'll have to find them and i'll send you the link to it but Snap-on makes a really nice set of needle nose pliers. <laughs> <laughs> right. I have they, a nice, I've got a nice Leatherman that I keep in the bag here, and I think mm-hmm. I've actually moved it into the new Wingman vest with spare batteries for my Astro and a few other things that I keep no matter what with a new Lensatic compass. And, uh, oh, awesome. Yeah, in a Ziploc bag. I might as well throw in you know, a wooden dowel for him to chew on while I sit there and scream at him. <laughs> yeah things like that are unfortunate we actually uh stout the labrador this year we were uh early season doing some training in the woods we we're up running the early season i think it was august and he ran into a uh, pine tree that was well <laughs> editing <laughs> right up to the vet later <laughs> <laughs> so Two and a half hours one way. Oh. That was no fun. But 
Yeah, it was uh, not a good weekend for that one. Wow. But. Yeah. We we did the best we could with him, and Dad's like, well, because we were actually hunting our way up. And, uh, well, do you want to find a vet? Dad, it's like Saturday afternoon. There's nobody close, and I'm pretty sure I got them all. But if we see swelling, we'll make a we'll make a decision. And uh, okay, get him all the way back to the truck. The rest of the way, look inside the truck. I'm like, that smells funny in here. The other one had crapped in the kennel. Like, oh, I had a, it was a comedy of errors. I cleaned both kennels that day in mud puddles, pulled thirty quills out of my dog, and that was on the trip up. We weren't even there yet. Oh, that makes a rough trip. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and here I am going, you know, I, I could use another short hair, you know, in another couple of years. <laughs> what am I doing? But, uh, you know, it doesn't matter to the breed. They're all going to do it. <laughs> I, I hopefully, and I continue to hope that the setter here doesn't, doesn't get into a porky. He has those, that long droopy face of a Ryman and, uh, I'm going to need a couple of clothespins just to kind of hold everything open so I can see what I'm doing in there. (laughs) Clothespins and zip ties. (laughs) I do have plenty of zip ties. (laughs) Yeah, they're, it's amazing what dogs can do producing birds. And it's even more amazing what they could do when left alone. (laughs) Actually, we were uh, the first women's hunt I guided. I had a older F-150, and it had leather seats, but the vinyl leg cracked on the one side. Not a big deal. You know, it had 200,000 miles on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> I left Drake in the truck. He had never done anything. Well, this time he got really upset when I left him in the truck, and he saw us take off into the woods. He ate the driver's seat completely out of my truck. Oh. <laughs> I come back and uh, Ryan Potter was with us and he looked in the window of the truck and he, he goes, Oh, and he just walked away. I was like, Oh, that ain't going to be good. And I went over there. It looked like, it looked like somebody threw popcorn in the truck. All the foam had been ripped up and destroyed and the seatbelt was gone. And oh, it was a fun ride home. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, sat on a bunch of towels in my hunting vest. Mm. <laughs> It was hoping the airbag light wasn't going to make him go off. <laughs> <laughs> right? Ah, <laughs> uh, short hairs. Yep, yep. And I'm, I'm sure some other breeds do it, but I think we have a reputation with short hairs. Oh yeah. But uh, good. Well, with this as well, you, you've 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 already went over the part getting your own dog back, which is still that's still just an awesome story but uh, <laughs> um wh- what's it like with a rescued um that that you're operating you know uh, clearly you know someone calls you up and says hey i just found a dog in fact i've done it before on facebook where i just tag you in a post where found lost dog or needs new home um you know not to heat more work on you but i you know there's not a lot of people i think in your business but what's it like? You know, what's, um, how does it work? Usually the people contact us, or if I see a post where somebody tagged me in it and, and they need help, I'll contact the person that has the dog. Mm-hmm. Um, what we ask is we do have like a surrender form. Basically, it legally gives us the dog. Just that everybody's protected at that point. So once we make contact and we get the dog, we bring them in evaluate them make sure the personality's right see if they have any quirks any aggressiveness anything like that um and we do a pretty good pre-screening too like i said the, the aggressive ones i really tried to shy away from mm-hmm. i mean i hate to say it that way um kind of public you got to keep everybody safe yep so if it's a biter or anything like that a lot of times i do have them work with a trainer um but we'll bring them in eval them get them through medical, we'll get them through vetting, get them spayed, neutered. And usually I like to have them spend about a month with me where I can fully evaluate their personality Mm -hmm. and see if there's any quirks. 
um, I had a dog that actually came out of northern Michigan, and it was the animal shelter director's brother's dog up there. And this dog came into the house. He laid on the couch. He's the only rescue dog from day one that was free to roam my home. He was just that relaxed. I gave him a giant, uh, I'm not a real big believer in him, but he had a raw high bone. Mm-hmm. He would sit there with that raw eye bone and have it on his legs and sleep on it, put his head down on it. He had, he was here for two months. He left with the same raw hide bone. He never chewed on it. <laughs> it. It was just one of those quirky things he just wanted to have with him. And uh, I actually adopted him to a family. There's a single mother and her daughter. Her parents had short hairs and... I knew the area the dog was going to, so I did a little investigation, checked the background, whatnot, through some people that were mutual friends. And they're like, yeah, awesome people. Um, they had the dog for about three months, and somebody kicked in the back door of their house to break in, and the dog was there, took, took care of the guy for him. Huh. Well, this is a short hair. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he did enough to scare the guy away, and he took off. Yep. So, and... Younger, like I said, mother and daughter, and the daughter absolutely loves the dog, and the dog loves the daughter. So, yeah. you know, not all not all go to hunting homes, but not all dogs are, you know, really up for it. Yeah. We tried bird work with him. He didn't really seem interested. Not to say he wouldn't be if somebody really wanted to put the time, but, you know, at that point when they're not really interested and they're going to be a little more work, you try to find a family home. Yep. Yeah. So, which happens. So, so I'm getting the impression at this point that, you know, a lot of these quirks are really, they're not a big issue to overcome with, with say, I'm going to need more time and training. You know, you haven't mentioned gun shy or some of these other things that may be um, a lot of work to reclaim the dog. You're almost talking about just folks that didn't realize what they had gotten into and, and surrendered the dog back to you. And really, the, there's nothing wrong there. No, a lot of the... The quirks, like, if you do the correct intro to gun, you're fine. you just got to get the focus on the bird. Yep. Once the dog's focused on the bird, you should start small, you know, smaller caliber, whatever, and then work your way up. But that focus is always going to be there. My dogs, the gunshot's the reward. They, yeah. they absolutely, even if you move a gun, drop a bolt on a gun, they're excited. So they start learning that that is not a bad thing. Um, yeah, my, actually, mine I can't walk past the gun cabinet. <laughs> yeah they they start hearing me i usually will move my guns and i got a couple of kennels i put in the truck besides yeah. the dog box on the back as soon as i hear those kennels move and the gun cabinet open the house is just lit up everybody wants out <laughs> yeah. so they, they know they want back to the truck because they, they they like that ride that's one of the few times i've been growled at by any of our dogs <laughs> I start putting stuff in there. One of the dogs breaks loose, runs over, jumps in the truck, jumps right into a kennel. I'm coming. And you're like, no, no, no. Come on back out. Dog looks at me like, we'll fight. I'm going. Like, I'm bigger. I'll win. But, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, you know, sometimes I do have to leave one behind, and it, I hate doing that. But, uh, yeah. But So what you're, what you're saying, too, these, these dogs really just kind of come to you having had a, a time out right do they do some of these come trained do, do people put the time in and then realize later on that uh that life changed and they need to do something different with the dog oh yeah we we get that too um i got a call from flint this is about three years ago they had found a oh here's a wire hair and they had found him in on the side of the road he got hit by a car mm. he was alive broke his hip and come to find out this dog was actually German registry had the tattoo through a friend of mine, Julie Griswold. We tracked down the breeder tattoo goes back to the breeder on the German lines mm-hmm. for um, that. <clears throat> and he was actually a, a, another pheasant dog, another farm dog that had got out. The, the, so the breeder sold him. We found that owner. We contacted that owner. That owner had given the dog to somebody when he moved. And he had spent a lot of money training this dog. And so he he signed the dog over to me because he had a 
a contract with the guy that he would get the dog back if something happened. And basically he felt he was a violation of that. So he signed the dog over to us. We had him from Flint. We took him to my vet down here where he spent two months getting his hip fixed. He literally lived at the vet's office for two months. So, and he went on to, his name was Rooster. We adopted Rooster to two Oakland County sheriffs. So, and he lives on a, a nice lake where he chases geese now. <laughs> they don't hunt, but they have to go out in their kayak and retrieve them every so often because he's chasing geese across the pond. <laughs> so, but he, he was a really big, big, nice dog. He was, he was awesome. And Lori and Brian from Wild Card Adventures actually have a dog from us too. Their hmm. Vader dog was a, a dog that was surrendered to us. Okay. So family got it, realized that, you know, we can't keep the dog in the crate for eight hours a day, come home, open the door, and expect him to behave. They're a high-energy dog. They have to be walked. They have to have a job. Oh, yeah. Yep. And without, without that, they're going to they're gonna be mischievous. Definitely. So the, and th- that's been a really big success, too. Vader's turned out to be a really nice dog for Brian. And every so often, Lori, I think he, he bounces between the two. <laughs> he, he, he's their third child so <laughs> right didn't i thought i saw a post the other day about uh some damage needing to be repaired in a wall from vader it, i don't claim that part that's up to him but <laughs> it only it happens it only uh it only came up because i have i have a multiple holes in the wall none of which are dog related they're actually all from my boys or their cousins and such, so I'm going to blame the kids on those holes. But uh, yeah, no, I take that back. There is one dog hole right behind me. Yeah, that's the the other big one that we get with a lot of the short hairs is separation anxiety. Mm-hmm. So in, that's very curable. You just you just never gotta, leave them. It, well, that one you take them to work with you everything. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good excuse to hunt twenty four seven. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. What was it? Sandy Mazaris the other day was talking to me, and she had she had gotten a dog in on training that had more or less lived on terazidone um, while the people were at work, and uh, I can't imagine that. But uh, that was that's part of a different podcast. But, oh yeah, and for anybody out there, Sandy is an awesome trainer. Mm-hmm. So she does very well with behavioral issues in dogs. And, I and she's awesome lady person. to boot. Oh, she's awesome lady. You will like her. Yeah. So, yeah, she, she's done some work for the rescue on training dogs that were having behavioral issues with mm-hmm. and got back. And she, they've been awesome dogs. So she's continued to work with the owners yeah. and the dog to keep that focus. Yeah. So, yeah. Now you've done a little bit here. We're gonna we're gonna do things, and this intrigues me because I don't do this stuff really at all. But you said you've done some trials and uh, and shoot to retrieve. Yeah, we I've done some Nastra. I'm active member. Okay. Um, not as active as I probably should be. <laughs> so my current dog Ben was supposed to be my Nastra dog, and it's taken a little bit of a back burner with a move and everything. Um, got really into it a few years ago, but I didn't, all my dogs got older. I had Molson, who was a 12, 12 at the time, probably our best field trial. He went five, five, one retrieve and the rest safety in a back hmm. at 12 years old. So it was a real fun trial yeah. and probably the most memorable part of that was, and I'm going to say the judge's name is Mel in, uh, Mel's. I was off the four-wheeler going to visit a tree because we're in the last portion of the run. We had had found our birds in in the back of Scott Townsend's fields where we were field trialing. He had dug a new pond. The sides were real steep and the pond wasn't really filled with water. It was cold. It was uh, probably January-ish, one of the late trials. Hmm. And Molson went down in there. I'm like, oh, great. He's going to go down in there. He's going to fall through the ice. I'm going to have to retrieve him. Well, no, he went down in there and was standing on the side of that that dugout area pointing a bird that was up underneath the overhang. (laughs) 
So I had to call Mel back off of his uh, constitutional <laughs> to judge this retrieve. And uh, so the bird, I go in and I'm like, how do I get this thing to flush? You know, it's, it's down underneath the overhang. Mel turns his back and goes, make it fly. <laughs> Picked up a clump of dirt and hit the bird with the dirt. Bird flew down, flew into the, the other side of the uphill and right onto the ice. And Molson jumped right for it. Oh, no. <laughs> right through the ice. <laughs> <laughs> he did end up bringing the bird back. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't quit. <laughs> no. It, it was amazing, though, for a 12-year-old dog to be able to do that. Yep. So he, uh, he, was, a, he was a special one. Wow. But as they, they get older, they get better, just like wine or, you know, a barrel-aged beer. Mm-hmm. So they're fun. Yep, I've I've kind of gotten to enjoy that mellowing now that I have with my short hair. Just he's, I don't have to quite think of myself as a babysitter as much. But uh, yeah, there's there's something about it. I think some wisdoms creeped in there with the with the gray hair on his face. But uh, what with these organizations, and again, I'm I'm unfamiliar with both Nistra and any of the trial scene. In fact, I'm trying to get some guys on to. To talk about that some more but uh what are these organizations what are they like um maybe even a little bit about uh what's it what's it like being a handler at one of these as well you know um well it's pretty much just a like a bird camp situation in a way a lot of guys that are friends and get together and nastro is kind of unique you actually run it against a brace mate mm-hmm. so it's two dogs in the field at a time five birds down and you have the judges are in quads usually on them sometimes we'll have them on horseback it's it's a blast you get out there and basically you're trying to beat your race race mate um the more so you can get scored on bird find Mm -hmm. retrieve obedience um trying to remember the scorecard here it's been a bit since i've actually wrote a scorecard i think you get a back in there too don't you yep you can get a back and uh the the big one there for them is safety so if you're unable to take the shot because you actually have to shoot the bird and have it retrieved back to you Mm -hmm. if you're unable to take the shot because of safety you can call safety on it but it's it's an absolute blast as a handler because you're trying to trying to watch the other dog watch your dog and figure out how you beat that that other dog to the back of the field to find the birds before you do. Hmm. And you can't run. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you learn how to take a little bit of a high step. Right. So in they can, they can actually DQ you for running or your dog taking out birds. It, it's a blast, though. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the best places to do it, just come down and watch a trial. So um, a lot of the guys there, you know, when you have a trial, you get a hold of the, the – um, chair for it mm-hmm. they'll have you coming out and just relax and you can ride with one of the judges and actually see what's going on so and they will go through the scorecard with you yep. um we've done a little akc which is a, more just a hunt test just provability of the dog right which you know it, it has its format um as far as being competitive yeah not really you know it just allows you to know where your dog stands and natural ability so but the nastro side of it it's it's a lot of fun and it gets competitive it's a great way to keep your dog in in shape over the season and over the summer so there's a a lot of great guys in it scott townsend's one john moore's great um john's more kind of like um port huron area Mm -hmm. so but the michigan chapter is awesome chapter to be with so and there's some real, real, real high-power dogs in the Michigan chapter. So to where if you get a win over some of them, you're doing pretty good. Yep. Yep, I've seen I've seen a few of the crosswind dogs run, and uh, I do not have a fast dog like those. But, uh, you know, there's something to see when there's nothing in front of them, you know, especially that, that low cover, you know, grass, grass, you know, the training field sort of scenarios. They seem to really just have a sec- have a gear that's higher. Oh yeah, and uh, the funny thing is, if you go down there and you meet Scott, he can whistle, and all them dogs come to him. 
it's insane. He is like the true dog whisperer. <laughs> so they all listen to him perfectly. <laughs> well, it, it's uh, they do have some wheels on them crosswinds dogs though. Yep. Yeah, that was. That's a, that's another thing to add to my to do list, right? In the in the, it's not really ran in the summer though, is it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and actually, uh, my new place is not far from there, from Scott's. Okay. So if you need a place to stay, let me know. <laughs> right. Right. That's. So. It'd be fun. I'm trying to just kind of get my my bearings a little bit on on things to do, and I've always. I could fill two years worth of stuff in in six months worth of time. You know, there's there's places to go. There's you know between uh, sports shows and banquets and events and you know now uh, trials and and test days and I'm getting to this point now where I almost have to start using a calendar. And uh, I used to think of myself as one of these impromptu kind of guys, like oh let's go do this this weekend because it's it's going on. And now. I look at the calendar and boy, there's there's no there's no impromptu anymore. I'm looking at the end of March, realizing that I think I have every Saturday marked up already, and it's it's all good stuff, you know. It, it's a couple of youth hunts in there. There's a a Labrador hunt test, an upland test through the HRC, uh, which is something I'm familiar with, and. Uh, I'm excited. You know, there's always something going. That's kind of the cool thing about being able to highlight some of these events and, and different organizations is you can find, there's one out there for everybody. And it's, you know, if it's Nistra and you're a little competitive and you want to do that training and run for those things, that's great. You know, if, if you're kind of more sit back and, and just see how your dog does, well, there's, there's hunt tests and those are going on and you know, there's always a place to get involved. Oh, yeah. And then the big one is, is more the camaraderie on all of them. You yes, build a lot of friendships and relationships in it. Yep. And that, to me, is the fun part of it all. Yep. We have we have a lot of fun in the dog clubs, that's for sure. And oh, yeah. And I think everybody that has a dog can get together and joke about, you know, lab versus, you know, setter versus short hair versus vishla or whatever, and end of the day we all sit around a fire and have a great time yeah yep or you go to a banquet and then they say oh what are you what are you serving well you know for the setter guys we have we have duck because they don't shoot any ducks and for the Brittany guys we have grouse so that you know what they taste like and, uh, <laughs> i i only pick on Brittany's because i know two guys with some pretty good Brittany's and uh and if you're going to pick on somebody, it's kind of like the old Dale Earnhardt versus Jeff Gordon, right? Yeah. You're, you're going to – you had to pick one. And, uh, <laughs> I might get hate mail one of these days for some of this stuff. Oh, Chevy versus Ford, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah it, it's an absolutely blast, though. And the, the camp part of it for me is awesome. Yep. I, you know on top of seeing a lot of the dogs that we run through the rescue, get out there and do pretty good. Good. That's, that's, that's one of those things I, I don't, and for some reason I had it in my head and I know it wasn't, I knew it wasn't right, but it's like, okay, rescues are all going to be a tough dog to get hunting. But, uh, that, that's clearly not the case. Actually, here, here's a funny story for you. All right. I had an English pointer that was surrendered to me. And he literally sat in the rescue for about eight months. I couldn't find a home for him. And I was amazed. He, he was a nice little dog. And actually, he was well-bred. Hmm. He was out of a dog that had a Nastra championship as the uh, sire. <laughs> and uh, had a lady contact me from North Dakota. And I'm like, ah, I don't know about adapting you know, all the way out to North Dakota because this goes south. I got to figure out how to get this dog back from North Dakota. Well, in talking to her come to find out she lived and actually moved from the town I currently live in hmm. and had some mutual friends that knew people I know. She got in her car and drove all the way from North Dakota to Michigan to pick up that dog and drive it back. <laughs> she is, she sent me pictures the other day of that dog seeing over about 35 roosters. Ooh. They took 
took a bunch of people and hit a bunch of fields and they got a lot of birds. And she says she is doing phenomenal. Awesome. Awesome. Very nice little English pointer. It's pretty cool that Sony would spend the time training him. And he, he was a little bit of a wild child, but he was a really nice, friendly little guy. Nice. Yeah. So, but it, it's definitely one of my, one of my favorite English pointers. <laughs> <laughs> I always joke a little bit with Adam Wilson. He's like, you're going to get one, one of these days. Cause he's got a little pointer now. Mm-hmm. No, I Nope, I've, it, it's like looking at a car that you know is really nice and saying, I just don't really like the lines on that car. <laughs> and uh, he looked at me kind of sideways like that. I'm like, hey, I mean, it, it could be an Audi A8 or whatever thing. I just don't like the, really the lines of it. But that's cool. I'm glad you do, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> he, he does have a nice little pointer because my buddy, my buddy Doug has a dog out of the same litter. Yep. And they are nice little dogs. Yep. And uh, my hunting partner, Chris, over here has one from a, a litter after that one. And that switch turned on real quick last October, just taking him out after we were done done hunting. Or we'd, we'd push some birds. And, uh, well, Archie's 15 weeks at the time. Well, let's just go see what happens. Sure enough, man. Yeah, he runs a few over. Next thing you know, there's you can kind of see some of the lights kicking on. And... Uh, oh, these, these were here, and then it was, oh, they were here right away, and then, you know, within a month, he had a few points even under his belt, and like, wow, this is going to be cool, you know, that they can really be a fantastic dog. Oh, yeah, and they're, they're fun just like any of them. I mean, like you said, the, 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 the lines and the body lines on them are a little bit different, but still fun to get behind, and sometimes you just put them on that crew somebody else's dog you can go hunt it doesn't matter what it looks like she don't have to take it home <laughs> I, hunted, I hunted with a guide in, in iowa for one day just for part of the day and he dumped every dog he had he had a couple of pointing chocolate labs and then out comes this dachshund chihuahua cross and he says i can't, this dog will not let me leave him behind his name's killer okay we we hunted roosters over killer and the rest because he could get into these fence rows where all the weeds had blown into the wire and he could get right down those little tunnels and stuff like that and uh that little dog hung all day with us never never looked tired either but uh i've shot birds with a chihuahua mutt with a beagle with oh goodness i saw a guy up in a gems one day with a husky that's an interesting one it, it's it was the dog he owned hey he mm-hmm. runs birds over in range well, hey just like a labrador all right <laughs> and, uh, yeah yeah i mean i'm i'm not picky about the dogs i gun over as far as you know they produce birds they're all right in my book oh yeah but, uh, um my girlfriend has a little miniature dash hound and we <laughs> we've had him through the woods with us mm-hmm it, he rode about half the way in her bird bag, but he went through the woods with us. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, but well, it, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, they're they're absolute blast though. And no matter what type of dog it is, it's fun watching them work. Yep, it it is, and uh, I've gotten about my magic one hour. I always try to get at least that much. But uh, before we wrap up, then, what are some of the needs you have? Clearly, this isn't exactly a money-making venture at this point. Uh, no, it isn't. Um, a lot of the stuff that we have is donated. I have a very good vet network down here. Mm-hmm. The biggest need that we have is just people letting us know what's out there. A lot of times I'll get tagged in posts and, you know, with work schedule and whatnot. I see that, but let us know what they see if somebody needs a those of somebody having a dog in need let us know because not only can we reach out and we've reached out you know by finding dogs homes but we can reach out and help people if they're just even in need of dog food mm-hmm. training supplies collars um leashes anything like that um we'd like to help the community because be honest with you i'd rather see the dog stay in the home with the current owners if it's a good situation mm-hmm. and that's really what we try to do. We've done a lot of outreach like that, even where 
we i get amazon's real close and local here i had four pallets of food dropped off from them it was perina so it had damaged bags on the top and beyond that so we get a lot of donated just because of our connections because my my girlfriend works as an animal control officer locally Mm -hmm. and but the biggest one is people letting us know what they see in the way of dogs or somebody's in need of help or needs a dog rehomed um we have a pretty good waiting list of people looking that we've already pre-screened um good financially though uh, we do pretty decent (laughs) so we have a lot of really good supporters okay good good so um like i said the biggest thing if somebody sees something needs a dog home keeping in contact Mm -hmm. is the biggest one okay so kind of kind of like me here when people ask well what can i do to help the podcast i'm like uh like and share and that's it. It raises awareness. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, just just being there in the public and, and another set of eyes and ears, really, then, is what you're saying is, is the most value for you. Yep, and one big thing is patience. I, I move a little slow with work right now and the move. Mm-hmm. Some people, I've had a couple of people get, you know, hey, I contact you. Sorry, <laughs> you know, in the process of moving and working 60 hours plus a week. <laughs> right. So... But we're still keeping the, the rescue going, and it's been a pretty awesome adventure so far. Good. I'm I'm glad to hear it. And hopefully, you know, this this kind of helps things out a little more. But uh, it's neat to highlight some of the things here that are within the state. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on. No, it's, it's my pleasure. And... Uh, I'll wrap us up here. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. This is the Bird Camp Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Schwenke, and we've been talking with Andy Sims, who is the man behind Southeast Michigan Bird Dog Rescue. And if you happen to be somewhere up north bird hunting, you may even run into him and his big pack of dogs.